Find a way to be in his presence. You, you guys have come into the house of God on his day. You online, this is your moment. This is our moment. When God wants to speak his peace into the troubles of our life. I mean, I got my troubles that are unique to me. The bears got beat by the Packers. You got your troubles. God has called us together in this moment, online and in the room, to breathe his peace over our lives in the midst of troubled times. In fact, here's the the truth that I want to drill into your soul this morning. The Christ of Christmas, boop. The Christ of Christmas is your peace in troubled times. In fact, when Jesus, the King of heaven, came to earth through human birth, born of a teenage virgin, he came into an incredibly, painfully troubled time. Check this out from the Word of God. This is the opening sentence of the Christmas story. At that time, at that moment, the Roman Emperor Augustus decreed, it's an order. You do it or you pay the consequences. He decreed that a census should be taken throughout the whole Roman Empire. Now, this sentence back then was not like the census done every 10 years in the U.S. This was a more sinister census. This was to find out how much money, how much tax we can squeeze out of how many people. This was to find out how many young men can we enforce, put into our military service. This was to find out how many men, women, and children we can enslave to build our work projects. It's terrible. Terrible trouble, particularly for a teenage couple. Joseph, he's maybe, best guess, 19 years old. Mary, 15, 16 really pregnant. Here's their story from the word of God. Joseph had to go. It was an absolute necessity. He had no choice. It was going to be a troublesome trip, 80 miles from up north in Nazareth down to Bethlehem. Joseph had to go to Bethlehem in Judea. He traveled from there, excuse me, he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, 80 miles. Can you imagine? That would, that would be trouble every day with a really pregnant fiance. They're not married. Can you imagine in that day, two teenagers, unmarried, she's a teenage, unwed, pregnant mom. I mean, night, you're camping out in the cold, under the stars, every day, every night, trouble, trouble, check it out. Traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now really expecting a child. I mean, really pregnant. When I was a kid, growing up, there was a saying, tough times don't last, tough people do. Now that I'm grown up, I know it's a lie. (laughs) I mean, the older you get, you know that there are some tough times you can go through. Doesn't matter how you want to toughen up. Tough time wins. So here's what I know to be the absolute truth. 
tough times don't last, but people in touch with Jesus do because that's where we get our strength for the trouble. That's where we get our power to triumph in the trouble. Tough times don't last, they're temporary, sure. But those who endure are those who are in touch with Jesus. And so that's what I wanna help you with. I wanna call you to invest your life in a real relationship with Jesus. And if I said, hey, go home and read the Bible, that's how you get in touch with Jesus. You'd be like, ah, where do I begin? So we have prepared for you a little journey to being in touch with Jesus. These study guides, you can grab them on your way out, you can download them online, but each day they will help you take, go deeper in the message I'm teaching today. Um, in the 1800s, early 1800s in Austria, it was really, really troubled times. I mean, the land had been ravaged by a bloody, brutal war. And a famine. I mean, the crops, the fields had been destroyed uh, by battling soldiers. No food. Poverty in every home. I mean, the times were miserable. And to add to the misery and the trouble, a cataclysmic flood destroyed village after village, home after home, business after business, church after church. And there was a, a priest in Austria at the time. His name was Father Joseph more. It's Christmas Eve. He's written a poem. He hopes a poem of hope for his church. Here's a picture of his church in Oberndorf, uh, Austria. In fact, he wanted this poem to be so sealed in the hearts of his people, he wanted to turn it into a song. So he approaches uh, the church organist. His name was Franz Gruber. I found a picture of him on the internet. Oh, no, that's Hans Gruber, sorry. That's a whole different Christmas story. Um, no, and Franz Gruber, the or organist, was, was willing to turn the poem into a song. They're gonna use it on Christmas Eve. It's just that the church organ had been utterly destroyed by the flood. Now, at that time, a guitar was not a sanctioned instrument of the church like it is here. So I love Father Moore because what he does, he waits till Christmas Eve mass is over. Then he invites Franz Gruber to the stage who begins to play his guitar. And for the first time in history, Father Moore begins to sing Silent Night. Here are the words. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin mother and child, Holy infant, so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace. Sleep in heavenly peace. Here's what you gotta understand to get the true meaning of this carol. It was not to be a description or a depiction of the nativity. It was meant to be a prayer. He wanted his people poor, hungry, Homes, some homes would be absent. Some of them were homeless because their homes had been ruined. He wanted them going home with a prayer of hope. Let me show you the, 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 the lyrics again. Here's what he meant. Silent night, he meant this. Let us silence our worries. Let us silence our fears. Let us silence our anxiety. Let us silence the stress and focus on the holy. Holy means set aside by God for his purpose. This is God's night. Let God's hope reign 
and push out the fear and anxiety. Let God's peace reign. In fact, it says, all is calm. Let our hearts be calm with God's peace. Let our spirits be bright with his joy. Focus, focus on the mother and child of Christmas. Then the result, silence your fears, calm your worries, focus on the Christ of Christmas, and you will sleep in heavenly peace. I mean, when was the last time your head hit the pillow and you bam, went to sleep, undisturbed, heavenly peace? I mean, peace, heavenly peace, you only get it. You, it is only given from heaven itself. And it is the heart cry of every human. We are driven by our desire for peace. I'm not talking about the absence of war. I'm talking about the absence of anxiety in the human heart. During this period of time, last 20, 21 months, there has never been a time in, in, the, in our history when mental health issues were more prevalent. People are crying for peace. People are crying for peace in their marriages. What if, what if your family had heavenly peace? People are crying for peace in their finances. What if there was this peace of God that just came over your, your, your dealings with your money, your business, your job? Heavenly peace. This is such a desire of every human being that that's, that song, that carol has been translated into over 300 languages. In fact, Bing Crosby uh, did a single. Only one song on the record did a single. This carol, Silent Night, Heavenly Peace, it sold over 10 million copies. Now, my favorite story about Heavenly Peace and Silent Night comes from uh, Travis Tritt, country western uh, star. He said he got his start singing in bars, like most country singers, and uh, where drunkenness and fistfights are more the order of the day than uh, an entertainer performing. So what do you do if you're, doing a song and you're playing and you're singing your best and a, and a bar fight breaks out. He says, well, when you're working for tips, you gotta calm that down as quickly as possible. So what I do, when a bar fight, I mean fists start flying, bottles start flying, I stop singing right now the song I was singing and I start singing, Silent Night. He says, it works every time. I don't know about you, but I feel like I've been a, in a bar fight for the last 20, 21 months with this COVID deal and all the anger and arguing that goes on around it. I'm ready for some peace. And it's only found, it is only found, heavenly peace only comes from the King of heaven, Jesus Christ. Look at the next verse of the carol. Silent night, silence your fears, silence your worries, silence your stress, silence your anxiety. It's God's night, holy night. It, the, put your focus on his purpose, his plan. Shepherds, they were quaking, they were trembling at the sight. Glory streamed from heaven afar, heavenly host, angels singing, alleluia, Christ, there it is. Christ the Savior is born, Christ the Savior is born. Um, if you're unfamiliar with the story, the backstory on this song that's meant to be a prayer, let me take you into the Word of God where Father Moore got it. It reads like this. The Bible says, that night uh, there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, near Bethlehem, guarding their flocks of sheep. Now, some folks from our church and my Deb and I, we've been 
in these shepherd's fields by Bethlehem a number of times through the years. Here's a picture. They look as much today as they did 2,000 years ago. But if you can imagine that scene at night, all that you have is a campfire, the stars above, here's what happened. The Bible says, suddenly, (laughs) in the midst of the heard in the midst of the quiet, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of God's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior has been born today in Bethlehem. I'm not kidding. You will recognize him by this sign. I know it's crazy, but this is what you're going to find. A baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth. Okay, we've seen babies like that, but check this out. Lying in a carved, cold, stone, animal feeding trough. A manger. You're kidding me. No, that's how you know it's Christ, the Savior, born, wrapped snugly, but in an animal feeding trough. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of angels, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest. Glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace, peace on earth, peace on earth to those, this is a selective peace. It's only for those with whom God is pleased. Now, who the heck are they? Who are the people on the planet with whom God is pleased and they get his peace? I mean, am I one of the people? Are you one of the people with whom God is pleased so that we can appropriate his peace in the midst of our struggles? How do you know? How do you know if your life is pleasing God? Well, the Bible gives us a few clues. Check this out. Book of Hebrews, the Bible says, it is impossible to please God without faith. So with faith, it's possible to please God. Now, you know that the Bible was not written in English. The New Testament was written in Greek. And the people who've been with me here a long time, they know over and over, I remind them that the word for faith in the Greek is pistis. And it would be better translated to fully surrender. To fully surrender. Um, anybody wearing Packer gear today? Okay. Thank you, George. Yeah, show it. Leave that to me in your will. Um, Here's the deal. George may have faith that Aaron Rodgers will ultimately win every game. But George isn't going to surrender his life to Aaron Rodgers. No, there's a difference between faith. And some people read that verse and they're like, oh my gosh, I just got to get stronger faith. I just got to get bigger faith. That's not the deal. The deal is full surrender. It's a lifetime of surrender. In fact, you'll find that the areas of your life where you have trouble are the areas of your life where you need to surrender. I want you to go home chanting this mantra. Make it a song. Sing it to yourself. Um, But here's what I want you to say. The more surrendered I am, the more I enjoy God's peace. I want to... This to be personal. That's why I didn't say the more we, the more surrendered we are. No, I want you to hear this in the sound of your own voice for you. I want you to repeat it over and over again to remind yourself to surrender. 
to keep surrendering. Surrender your marriage. Surrender your finances. Surrender your emotions. Surrender your children. So we're going to say it aloud together. I'll say the first part. You just say it after me. Here we go together. The more surrendered I am, the more I enjoy God's peace. We can trigger it in our mind. We can remind ourselves. We can recalibrate our lives, our thinking, our emotions. The more surrendered I am, the more I enjoy God's peace. More surrender, more peace. Little surrender, holding out, full of arrogance and pride. Do it my way, the less peace. It is painful to do life with less peace. That's the number one thing, surrender to be a person who pleases God. But, but here's number two from the Bible. Boop. With thankful hearts. Say, thankful hearts. This is the biggest deal in the world. This is the hinge on which everything turns for your peace. Be grateful for everything. With thankful hearts, offer up your prayers and your requests to God. You can ask for anything. Sky's the limit, but it starts with your gratitude, with a thankful heart. Then, on the basis of your thankfulness, then, because you belong to Jesus, God will bless you with peace that no one can completely understand. The peace. Hey, have you noticed how worry can control how you think and feel? Have you noticed how fear and anxiety can control how you think and feel? Have you noticed how stress and pressure can control how you think and feel? In the same way, the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind, will control how you think. Can you imagine? I want to tell you, it is absolutely awesome doing a life where the peace of God controls our thoughts and our emotions. So, Here's the second phrase I want us to say, get burned in our hearts today. The more thankful I am, the more I enjoy God's peace. Are you ready? Here we go together. The more thankful I am, the more I enjoy God's peace. The more thankful I am, the more I enjoy God's peace. Man, that's the truth, to remind yourself. The more surrendered I am, the more thankful I am, the more, if, if I need peace, in fact, I'll tell people. In fact, I practice this myself. I go to bed at night, my head hits the pillow, but I can't sleep. My mind is racing. So what I do, I begin to enumerate in my mind everything for which I am thankful. I begin with my birth. I begin with my parents. I begin with my rebirth when God gave me new birth in Jesus. And I just thank him for everything. And I tell people, hey, when you're struggling with anxiety, when you're struggling in the midst of a trouble, the way to get peace is just to make a list. Get a pencil and paper. Go on your computer, but make a list of all the things that you are thankful for. And thank God, thank God, thank God. Because as you offer him thanks, he pours out the peace. Well, there's something extremely, profoundly beautiful about pleasing God, and it doesn't come from gratitude, and it doesn't come from surrender. Let me show you. It's in the third verse of the song. Silent night, silence your fears. Holy night, focus on God's purpose. Son of God, now our syntax, our grammar is different today than it was back then. So if I could capitalize love, and it is, and I could take out the comma and say that Son of God is, Son of God is, loves 
God's love is love's pure light. Jesus is the pure light of God. Son of God is love's pure light. Radiance beams from thy holy face with the dawn. Oh my gosh, it's a new day. Christmas is a new day in history. And when you surrender to the Christ of Christmas, it's a new day in your life. Surrender your marriage to Jesus and it's a new day. A new dawn is erupting over your marriage. You can put anything in that blank and it's true. It's new. When you surrender to Jesus, a new day is dawned. With the dawn, get this, of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Those two words are the centerpiece of the song. Everything that Father Moore was writing was leading up to those two words. Everything was building to this climax. Those two words, redeeming grace. Well, what do they mean? Well, the word redeem means to rescue and restore. And it looks like this. God comes to earth through human birth. He is born as a baby, Jesus. But Jesus doesn't stay a baby. He grows into a boy, a teenager, a young man, and all through his life, he grows to be 33 years old, and all through his life, he battles every trial, every trouble, every temptation that we do. It's just that where we failed miserably, he wins every time. He has a perfect sinless life, and he willingly lays that life down on a bloodstained cross. He's taking our place. He's our substitute. He's getting the punishment we deserve for our sin. He's taking upon himself the penalty consequences of our sin upon himself. When you believe that Jesus died for your sins and God rescued him from the dead, God raised him from the dead, that's when you get rescued. You believe that, you surrender to that, you are rescued from sin, death, hell, and the grave. But more, redeem means also to restore. And so not only, let's say it's your marriage, not only is your marriage rescued, but it is restored to God's best version of your marriage. Not your mama's best version or your mother-in-law's best version, God's best version. When you surrender, believing that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead, maybe it's your finances. You surrender you get God's best version of your finances. Maybe it's your parenting, your surrender. You get God's best version. He restores. He is a restoring God. He restores health. He restores homes. He restores hearts. He is a restoring God. This is the dawn of redeeming grace. Yeah. Here's the deal. Here's what it means. Grace, grace is a gift. It's a free gift. I have five grandchildren, four of them are littles. They are all gonna get flooded with gifts from my Debbie and I. They don't have to do anything. JJ, he's the littlest, maybe three months. He's done nothing to merit my love. He's like a little food factory. In it goes and out it goes. He's done nothing to get a present, but why does he get it? Grace, it's a free gift. You know something, David, he's six. Bella, she's seven. Willow, th she's three. There is nothing, nothing, nothing bad they could ever do that would prevent my Debbie and I from giving them gifts at Christmas. 
and the gifts are given to them for their enjoyment. It's all free. That's grace. There's nothing you can do that makes you so good that you merit God's peace. And there's nothing so bad that you've done for so long that would prevent you from receiving God's great grace and peace and being pleasing in his eyes. It's a redeem. He rescues you by his grace. He restores you by his grace. He restores all things to you by his grace. Um, and so let's say this as well. As I receive God's redeeming grace, I enjoy God's peace. As I surrender, as I'm thankful, let's say this together. As I receive, you, if you guys were Catholic, you'd be way better at this. One more time, here we go. As I receive God's redeeming grace, I enjoy God's peace. You're slow, but you do get it. That's awesome. One more time. As I receive God's redeeming grace, I enjoy God's peace. That's the truth. And I can find no better way to teach it than to show you this visual illustration. It's a hundred years after Silent Night has been written and sung for the first time. You're going to hear Silent Night sung in German and in English. It's World War I, Christmas Eve, trench warfare. In one line of trenches, British soldiers. No man's land, another line of trenches, German soldiers. It's a true story, actual historical fact. Please watch it with me. It's the heart of God, for he gave. Look at the word of God. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him, who surrenders to him, will not perish but have eternal life. That event really happened. Only Jesus could get men to come up out of the trenches, do a pickup soccer game, shake hands, have conversations about their lives. The war did go on. The higher-ups in the military were not happy with this event. It's called the truce of 1914. Christmas Eve. But I'm calling our church to come up out of the trenches this Christmas for hungry people and hurting children and people far from God. Somebody's got to come up out of the trenches. Somebody's got to respond to Jesus, surrender to Jesus, be thankful to Jesus celebrate redeeming grace and come up out of the trenches. It's one of the reasons that every Christmas we do this big love offering. Over $100,000 comes in because people are thankful and people are celebrating redeeming grace and people are fully surrendered to Jesus. And this year, of that 100,000 or more, 10,000 will go to our orphanage in Haiti. Those boys... Um, we're going to make sure they are clothed, fed, getting an education, and getting a real relationship with Jesus Christ. There are dark times. I had a young man who has a job here who's from Haiti in the last service. And I, he, I didn't know. I greeted him twice. The third time I greeted him as, he, as I left, he let me know, speaking in a strong Creole accent that he was from Haiti. Got a job in the area. Wants to know about our orphanage. It's for people 
who own the heart of God, orphans that will come up out of the trenches. For hungry people here in our own town, $10,000 is gonna be set aside for the people who come here every Wednesday. I should say it this way. One week, people come here, hungry people from our own region, come here, we give them seven days of groceries. The second Wednesday, or every other Wednesday, we go to three dozen homes, 36 homes, and deliver seven days of groceries to people who are shut in and are physically unable to get out. We want to make sure that hungry people, we're going to come up out of the trenches for hungry people in our own town who need to know that somebody sees them, that somebody loves them, and that somebody will meet their need. We believe in Ray and Michelle. We appreciate the season of ministry they've had here. And so $10,000 of our love offering will be devoted to help them start the new church in West Chicago. We're coming up out of the trenches. And me and Debbie, uh, we prayed about this. And we talked about it and we decided that we're coming up out of the trenches with with a gift of $1,000 for that love offering. Um, We're not rich people. I'm a poor preacher. Some of you think I'm really poor at preaching. Um, I'm not poor at all, but um, $1,000 isn't easy to come by, but we save and we sacrifice and we we go without and and we'll give it because we believe in, in the heart of God to help hurting children, to feed hungry people, and to reach people who are far from God and to make this church as strong and as reflective of the character of God as is possible. And so we're gonna do something we haven't done for 21 months. It starts now. We're gonna pass the bucket today. But this offering will continue through the end of the year. I appreciate your generosity, your love for Christ, and our celebration of the greatest night on the planet when Jesus came. Human birth, our Christ, our Savior is born. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwired.com and have a great week.